Word on Health with Paul Pennington. Feel very best of health. Myeloma is a rare and incurable form of blood cancer originating in the bone marrow. It affects around 24,000 people across the UK. It mainly occurs in the over 65s, but it has been found in people as young as 20. Despite being the third most common type of blood cancer, myeloma is especially difficult to detect, as symptoms, chief among them pain, easily broken bones, fatigue and recurring infection are often linked to general ageing or other conditions. A third of patients visit their GP at least three times before getting a diagnosis and around a third through an emergency route. Myeloma UK is the only charity in the UK exclusively dedicated to myeloma and related conditions. Alice Barron is their head of patient and carer information and support. Alice Your organization's ultimate goal is to find a cure and make myeloma history. Where are you and the blood cancer community at with achieving that? Myeloma UK was founded 25 years ago, and in that time, we've made huge strides forward. The average life expectancy for patients has quadrupled. When we started, there were no treatments. We now have 12 different options, and there are more coming through the pipeline. But we know that that's not enough. So what we are doing now is also investing in research that will help us understand myeloma better, understand why it develops, how best to use the drugs that we currently have, and any new potential drugs. It's incredible the difference that we've seen with the new treatments coming through. And it's not just new drugs, it's new types of treatments as well. We're really learning how to use the body's immune system, for instance, much better than we used to. There are very exciting developments happening. We all wish it would happen a lot sooner than it is, but there is absolutely space for hope. Whilst work continues towards a cure, your mission is to help every patient live well with myeloma for as long as possible. How can this be achieved? First of all, it's about diagnosis and getting patients diagnosed as soon as possible. If you are diagnosed earlier, it means that you are less likely to have more complicated effects of myeloma, things like reduced kidney problems, which could potentially lead to dialysis, broken bones, mobility issues. They're all reduced if you can get diagnosed earlier. The other part of this is the treatment options and making sure that patients have options that are kind to them. If patients are living longer, we need to make sure sure that they're actually living with a better quality of life as well. There's it's no point in having a really long life if it's full of complications and difficulties that you're not actually living the life that you want to be living. And we can't underestimate this really. We say that myeloma is a very individual cancer. Not everyone will have all the symptoms. Not everyone will respond the same to treatment. Not everyone will have the same side effects. So what living well means to an individual could be very different between them. What we're here to do is to try and facilitate whatever living well means for you. So we will give you the information, the support and the tools that you need to make those informed decisions about your treatment, about what you're doing outside of treatment and really make sure that you are supported in in living with myeloma, however that is that you want to be. What can myeloma patients do to help themselves? The patient voice is so incredibly important and it's really powerful. And we need to make sure that the patient voice is amplified at every step. So it's making sure that patients are informing how clinical trials are set up, making sure that patients are informing how appraisals and how drugs get recommended for use in the NHS, making sure that their voice and their preferences are used there. And it's also about making sure that we are involving them at Myeloma UK and we try and make sure that patients are involved 
involved every step of the way. And we have a variety of different mechanisms for this. So we listen to people who use our services, like our helpline, our email service, what people are talking about at our events. And we also have patient surveys and patient panels so people can give their input into specifically treatments, what their goals are, what their preferences are. We take all of that information and we make sure that we build that into everything that we do. My grateful thanks to Alice Barron. To find out more and to link through to Myeloma UK, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. Word on Health, for your very best of health. 3.5 million people in the UK are estimated to have chronic kidney disease. It's a long-term condition where the kidneys don't work as well as they should. It's often associated with getting older, but not exclusively. It's more prevalent in people who are black or of South Asian origin, and those of us who have diabetes, high blood pressure, or cardiovascular disease may be more at risk. Fiona Loud from Kidney Care UK explains the vital role the kidneys play in keeping us healthy. They are unsung heroes which work 24-7 for us. They process any fluid that we take in, so help us to pee it out. But at the same time, they also filter what's good and what's not so good for us. They keep our bones healthy. They regulate our blood pressure. When they don't work, though, you really don't start to notice that they are going wrong, as it were, until a bit later on in something called chronic kidney disease. What self-help measures can we take to ensure our kidneys stay in tip-top condition? It's good to keep well hydrated. The way in which you can tell that is it's the colour of your pee. So if you haven't drunk very much, your wee goes very, very dark. A healthy diet, a reasonably low salt diet, for example, keep a healthy weight, not smoking. So anything really that's good for heart health is good for kidney health. And those things that I've just briefly described can keep your blood pressure on a fairly good set of scales as well. So that helps you to keep healthy and to keep your kidneys happy as well. According to very recent research, drinking three or more cups of coffee a day may increase our kidney dysfunction risk. What's your view? This one comes up over and over again, and I've actually seen it discussed by a lot of kidney doctors as well. And interestingly, if you actually have kidney failure or failing kidneys, particularly if you're on dialysis, coffee really is a no-no because it's very hard for you to metabolise it, to excrete it. Clearly, most people, thankfully, do not have anything like kidney failure. So it's one of those things that if you do something in excess and your body perhaps doesn't metabolise it in the same way that many other people would, it can have that effect on you. When the kidneys fail to perform, many other organs and are overall health are impacted upon, how might we know if our kidneys are failing? It's one of those things that can be quite silent at first. The kinds of things that I'm going to describe, which you could initially put down to something else. One might be that you feel extremely tired, and that can be because the kidneys aren't working properly, but also because of the function of your kidneys not working properly, you become very anemic, and that also makes you feel very tired. Another can be a bit of swelling. You might find that your ankles start to swell up. I mean, when it gets a function of kidney failure, is quite a lot of swelling in your joints and your limbs as well. So after a time, your bones can start to ache. And when you really get close to it, you can become quite breathless because fluid is building up in your lungs. Also itching, particularly across your middle, because your kidneys are not excreting the phosphates that you take in. 
you can build up too much potassium in your system. They can also affect your heart. So I'm describing a range of things from middle onwards that start to really build up to that high blood pressure, pressure on the lungs, pressure on the heart, eventually to heart attacks. How is kidney disease diagnosed? It's a blood test and a urine test. And the two things together can give you an indication of whether you've just got an infection and that's likely to resolve itself, or actually this is the signs of your kidney starting to decline. Can kidney damage be reversed? Well, that is a good question. In many cases, once your kidneys have been damaged, then they will stay damaged. You can manage it, but you can't necessarily reverse it. But there is something called acute kidney injury. Some people describe it like a heart attack on your kidneys when you perhaps you had something else wrong with you and then your kidneys start to go down very quickly. They can recover. Is kidney transplant the only treatment option for chronic kidney disease? No, not at all. There's newer ways, thankfully, to manage this and stop you from going anywhere near kidney failure. And that will be the situation for the huge majority of people. Because if I tell you that there are probably about 30,000 people on dialysis and a further, what, 30, 35,000 people with with kidney transplants, and then there'll be 10 to 15,000 people behind them who are heading towards kidney failure, you can see that's nowhere near the 3.5 million people who have chronic kidney disease. And we would like to keep it like that as well, that the numbers don't keep going up for people with end-stage kidney disease. My grateful thanks to Fiona Loud. For further information on this story and to connect through to Kidney Care UK, log on to our website, www.weddonhealth.com. That's www.weddonhealth.com. Word on Health. On air and online 52 weeks of the year. Your personal prescription for your very best of health. An acquired brain injury, or ABI as it's termed, is an injury caused to the brain since birth. There are many possible causes, including a fall, a road accident, tumour or stroke. Every 90 seconds, someone in the UK is admitted to hospital with an ABI. But the true number of people living with a brain injury is unknown, as Luke Griggs, CEO of the brain injury charity Headway, explains. Around 350,000 people are admitted every year to hospital with an acquired brain injury. I think that number will probably surprise a few people because this can happen to anyone at any time. And for many of those people admitted to hospital every year, so it doesn't include the people who go to A&E and are discharged, they will need some form of help and support to either initially navigate through the early stages if they're not too severely affected. Others will need help and support to relearn their skills, to rebuild their lives and to regain a degree of independence. And that may be having to accept that the life they have once had isn't coming back. And that's not only for the individual. Importantly, it's also for the families as well. And that's a crucial part of the support we provide. But the reason we don't know about how many people are living with the long-term effects of brain injury is that too many people do not get the diagnosis they need, particularly if they have had multiple injuries, so they're admitted to hospital with multiple fractures and the bleeding, the fractures that are immediately dealt with, and actually the, the brain injury, because maybe the delayed presentation of the symptoms that tends to be missed and people are discharged without that kind of help and support. Often, if you visit your GP with a, a mild to moderate brain injury, you might be misdiagnosed as having a mental health condition or stress or anxiety, when actually there's physiological injury to the brain that's been caused from a, a trauma, perhaps weeks, perhaps even months ago, that hasn't actually been picked up and therefore is not actually presented to the GP as perhaps a contributory factor. So the actual number of people living with it could be anywhere between one and two million people. I know you're keen for more of us to be brain injury aware, and I'm personally grateful to your organisation for the wealth of information you make available on your website. After my recent fall, it certainly helped me. And looking at your site, 
I noticed your recent See the Hidden Me study conducted with people who have a brain injury has highlighted the often misunderstood nature of what they're living with. It's the most regularly reported concern that people have with brain injury that people just don't understand. Because a person may not have any physical symptoms like being in a wheelchair or need to stick, even though a lot of brain injuries do result in one-sided weakness or physical issues, people may look and sound exactly as they did before, and yet their short-term memory may be non-existent. Their ability to, to speak without slurring their words. All of these hidden things can make it very difficult for people to get the help and support they need. Around three quarters of the people that we spoke to say that they experience problems on a daily basis as a result of their brain injury being misunderstood. And it's for the one of those reasons why we launched the Brain Injury Identity Card. There are more than 10,000 ID card holders across the UK and it's growing all the time. It's basically a simple solution to a tricky conversation. So when people are presented with these situations, whether it's in a welfare office, whether it's in a supermarket just needing help, they can show the card, which is a photo ID card verified by medical evidence to say that I have a brain injury and it lists four of the main effects that that individual can be impacted by. And it can really very, very quickly help to explain the brain injury that the person is living with. A lot has been achieved in the past few years to improve concussion protocols, with the emphasis being placed on elite-level sport to set a good example for others to follow. I know a key element of your campaigning work has been that everyone who plays sport, especially at a grassroots level, should be concussion aware. Again, it talks to this issue of everybody needs to be better aware of brain injury and its effects and the risks that are associated with exacerbating initial injuries. That's why we have our concussion aware campaign uses this slogan of if in doubt sit it out because the risks are much greater of exacerbating that initial injury if you go back onto the field of play and suffer another blow before your brain has had a chance to recover i think we've made tremendous inroads the fact that it is talked about so widely now is a positive thing the changes that have occurred i think have been too slow and they haven't gone far enough we still think that people's lives and long-term health are still being risked and that's not right my grateful thanks to Luke Griggs. To find out more about brain injury and to connect through to Headway, log on to our website, www.wordonhealth.com. That's www.wordonhealth.com. Word on Health with Paul Pennington.